And when we zeroed in on that, um, creating environments that transform people's lives, it resonates for me personally in a very deep way because uh, I'm very passionate about our region, the Central Valley region. It's a part of California that is underserved, that's overlooked. Uh, it has historically not seen the, the attention or the investment that I believe it deserves. And so for us to be able to take that and, and have a tangible impact on our community and know that every property that we touch, regardless of type, we're going to leave that property that much better. From Griseta Partners, this is Durable Value, an investor's podcast, where hosts Joe Miratori and Ryan Suela demystify commercial real estate with safe, sound investment strategies to help you balance your portfolio. On this episode, Joe and I discuss why we do what we do and some of the challenges and successes that have led us to where we are today. What makes me get up in the morning is, uh, is building something. Uh, most days I exercise, I have a road bike, I get out uh, at least three days a week, an hour or so, going at 18 to 20 miles an hour. I just get going. Uh, I come into the office and I enjoy what we are building. And every day I, I love the feeling of building something greater than myself. So investing in our team, seeing decisions being made on properties at, uh, at different levels in our company, uh, building something of scale, building something of size, building something that's regional. Um, there's just the joy of speed and lightness and uh, stability and growth. And I especially enjoy the long runway. I mean, we've been doing this 15 years. I look forward to another 30 years. This isn't, I mean, money matters. Money matters and money is a, is a way to measure things, but this isn't about the money. This is about uh, building something great and excellent for the, the reason of doing it. Um, sometimes people say, well, <laughs> you know, you know when, when's enough or what are you trying to build? And it, it, you know, it, it, it's almost like, why, if you're an athlete, why try to get a gold medal? Like, isn't jogging enough for you? Why try to get a gold medal? And the answer is because they exist. And for me, it's like, I've only got one life. I want a gold medal. <laughs> and uh, the fact that I can do it with my best friend of forever years and have a great time in our hometown and, and bring a lot of people on this journey, I mean, that's great. That's great. What about you? What makes you tick? Why do you do this? Uh, you, you kind of alluded to a little bit, but uh, I, I enjoy mountain climbing. Uh, I enjoy climbing to the top of peaks, and Sir Edmund Hillary famously responded when someone said, why did you climb Mount Everest? He said, because it was there. And I think that really embodies why I get up in the morning and do what I do and the, the work that we do. Um, I love the challenge. I love being able to um, th say that I, or, or think about something that was difficult to do, difficult to accomplish, and I did it. And, it, and it's, the journey was the most rewarding part of it. Yeah. You know, when we go on uh, mountaineering trips, the parts that we talk about are not 
I was there at the top of the peak and it was so beautiful and it was amazing. The parts that we talk about for the rest of our lives were, were the painful, difficult. I was there at 4 a.m., you know, four miles from camp and had yeah. to spend the night on a, you know, snowfield and, you know, just crazy stuff like that. And I think of our, our business journey as well. Um, there's a challenge uh, out there and I want to run at it. And the, the parts that we end up looking back on and, and smiling about or laughing about are some of the most challenging things that we've gone through. Yeah. Um, here we are in Modesto, California, and the challenge to be able to create a world-class commercial real estate investing company based here that brings institutional capital from across the nation and across the globe to our community, to the Central Valley, is, is pretty powerful. And I just love that opportunity. Yeah. I often think that, uh, well, I was, I was thinking uh, the other day about my high school yearbook. turns out my quote was, never doubt that a small group of dedicated people can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Which is interesting. I mean, I was 18 when I put that in my high school yearbook, but that's been sort of a defining idea. And I look at companies that are dominant in our space, uh, Blackstone and BlackRock and Brookfield and even the, the brokerage firms, Coldwell Banker, Cornish and Carey, Newmark Knight, Frank, Jones Lang LaSalle, you know, uh, CBRE. Uh, what, what's in common here? What's in common, what's common to this is a few people, a small group, often a partnership, work together for a very long time with great diligence and in their small niche of the world changed it and there's there's something empowering and i think about this often but you know every generation owns the world in some way like you know we're in our early 40s but people in our early 40s will be president like every skyscraper or tall building or industrial plant uh, will be owned by people of our age at some point and uh, it's motivating to me to know that whatever we set our minds to do we can accomplish now there's risks and pitfalls in that we've talked about hubris um, there's plenty of risks and pitfalls and we talk about those often but in, for this segment I want to say it's a I believe that between the two of us we can accomplish whatever we set out to do and we only get one life so let's let's do some cool things ryan what what led you to start a uh, company and what has the journey been like for you well uh, what led me to start a company was i think your and my constant discussion around where we wanted to go and uh, it, you know we started out working in a company together then you worked at a different company I, I did my own thing then we worked at another company together we started a company and it was always this angling to figure out how we can uh, manifest our own independence and and pursue what it was that we wanted to pursue and I think if you asked 20 years ago what that was going to look like. I don't think either of us would have said that it looks like what it is today. Yeah. Uh, but we, we just knew that there was something out there. And 
that I think that says a couple different things. Um, it, it speaks to pursuing what it is that interests you, but it also speaks to being open to uh, what that where that path leads. Yeah. Um, you see people in life not pursue the things that they're passionate about because of whatever reason, circumstance, money, whatever. Um, and then you also see people who are so focused on what they think they need to be doing that they pass by opportunities along the way. Yeah. Um, so it's been a, it's been a journey, and I think something that's been that's helped us through this journey is uh, being open to change. There are moments in our uh, history and and seasons in our company's history where we learned by doing something that we ultimately decided was not where we needed to go or where we needed to spend our time. But I wouldn't, I was asked recently, you know, what would you change in your, your company path? And I really have a hard time picking something that I would change in our company's history because I can point to what we learned and how it strengthened us for every one of those stumblings or pitfalls along the way. So I really wouldn't change the fact that we had those. I would say there, there were definitely lessons learned that maybe we, if we were less obstinate or, or more open-minded, we might have learned the lessons quicker. But other than that, the, those lessons needed to be learned along the way to make us you know, what we are today. Yeah. What about you? Yeah, I agree. There's always been um, a connection between us. Uh, we have uh, similar but different personalities. They're s s about half similar and about half different, and that works pretty well. Um, I, I remember working at, a, at the company we worked at before this, and I felt it was it was great. I, I liked what we were doing, but I, I, I just really wanted a sense of freedom and control and uh, a sense to carve out uh, my own destiny. And uh, it, it worked out for us to start this business. And um, it's funny, we went through some really challenging times, uh, especially the first, you know, five, six, seven years. But th there were some very dark cash flow times and times where there wasn't a clear path at all from A to B. Um, but there was never really a sense of let's go do something else. It was always like felt meant to be. I mean, we burned the boats. <laughs> the, the boats were burned. Like yeah. we were, I could never imagine like going and getting another job. It was just like make it work, make it work, find a path. And when you over and over find a path, over and over find a path, after a while you begin to think, there's always a path. And even now as we grow this business and things are a lot better now, um, or we have more resources than we did before, but we're still those same people deep down. We've, we've grown, but we also have that combined camaraderie and friendship. We've been through like really challenging times and we've been through, we're experiencing great times. So um, what led me to start a business? Uh, kind of back to the earlier comment, you, you only get one life. And at the same time, the opportunity to team up 50-50 and see what we can accomplish was really compelling for me and still is. Mm -hmm. Well, we just talked about it a little bit, but the consistent uh, difficulty of cash flow uh, in the early years and any entrepreneurs listening to this can probably relate to that. When you're adding staff 
and trying to grow and trying to figure out what your niche is and you're trying to win clients and it, sometimes you're trying to get clients to pay on time and all those sorts of things. Um, I remember year two, three, four of the business, I, I just couldn't sleep at night. I gained weight. My marriage was suffering. I was a grouchy person. <laughs> and uh, that, that was a, it, it was tough there for, for quite a few, it, quite a few years. And sometimes when I, like one entrepreneur told me once, ah, the first 10 years are the hardest. You know what, he's right. The first 10 years are the hardest. It's not like, hey, go start a business and in two years you're gonna be wildly successful and this is gonna be great. No, you're probably gonna pivot two, three, four, five times until you find that niche. And any entrepreneur can make it, but you only if you just don't give up and only if you keep uh, pivoting. So I wish I could say like, you know, oh, we stuck to it and, and it just got fixed right away. But the answer was no, it, it took a while and we had to learn the lessons we had to learn. And that is why 70 to 90% of businesses fail in the first five years and then 70 to 90% of those fail in the next five years. There's, there's so many shifts and changes and those allowed us to get to where we are now. But man, those were tough. Man, those were painful. Man, those hurt my marriage. Man, I lost sleep. <laughs> mm -hmm. and, um, but I wouldn't give it back. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't give it back. What about you, Ryan? Uh, I, I would definitely say the most challenging time in my professional career was when I was invited into a room and fired. And uh, that really is what started me off on my entrepreneurial venture. Uh, I look back on that and there was definitely a young guy who you know thought that he knew everything speaking about myself and um really uh was adjusted back down to reality number one yeah um number two i also learned from that experience that i didn't want someone else in charge of my destiny. Um, I wanted to be um, responsible for my future. And that opportunity, I look back on it, and it was, it was an opportunity. And the reason it was an opportunity is because would I have had the impetus to go off and start my own thing had that not happened? I don't know. I don't know that answer. Or would it have taken another five, 10 years to do it? Yeah. It was that kick in the pants that, that really set me off. Um, but, you know, like you mentioned about the personal life, I remember walking through downtown Modesto, head spinning. My uh, wife was pregnant with our third child. We had just purchased a house, and I didn't know where re income was coming from. So it was an incredibly challenging time. But as I mentioned earlier, I, I wouldn't give it up in the sense that it helped shape, you know, the resilience of who we are, of who we are today. I often ask uh, people we hire or uh, people we're looking to work with to tell me about a dark time in your life, because those are really the times that shape you. People who have not seen enough adversity 
uh, aren't aren't hardened towards the difficulty that it takes to to grow and build a business. It's it's a daily struggle and it's a competitive environment and it takes a um, you know a, a managed person, a person who's in control of their life, but also who's who's got a hardness to them and. Uh, can get up day after day and face adversity and move the business forward and, and find joy in life at the same time. Yeah. You're listening to Durable Value, an investor's podcast. We understand the world of commercial real estate can be daunting, but we want to make it as simple as possible for you. Get the free 56-point checklist for evaluating investment properties that Crusada Partners uses every day at crusadapartners.com slash guides. So Ryan, what, uh, talk about the company's why, talk about your why. Well, our company uh, really has rallied around creating environments that transform people's lives. And we really only zeroed in on that, I'd say, in the last couple of years. And that's not because it didn't exist before, but we hadn't spent enough time thinking about when you really drill down what motivates us. I think when you're in the early years of your company, it's easy to focus on the in the reactive space, not the proactive space. It's like, how do I make payroll? How do I grow my company? How do I make sure that we have enough resources? And how do I make sure my clients are happy? A lot of reactive type stuff. And over time, especially the companies that survive, you, you start to realize that there's, there are core things that um, keep you motivated through those times. And when you're in that reactive space, it's difficult to necessarily drill in on those, but when you're able to move into more of a proactive space, you can think about what it is that has been motivating you. And when we zeroed in on that, um, creating environments that transform people's lives, it resonates for me personally in a very deep way because uh, I'm very passionate about our region, the Central Valley region. It's a part of California that is underserved, that's overlooked. Uh, it has historically not seen the, the attention or the investment that I believe it deserves. And so for us to be able to take that and, and have a tangible impact on our community and know that every property that we touch, regardless of type, we're going to leave that property that much better and we're going to make that space that much better for the tenants. We're going to make that space that much better for the residents and that we're going to make our lives and the livelihoods of our of our team members that much better. It really is something that I'm passionate about. Yeah. We put a ton of time into our culture and vision and mission, and there's a lot of uh, talk about this. And certainly early on, I thought, like, where's the money in this? Now, I, there's so much money in this. Um, when your company is aligned around culture and mission, it, it helps uh, so much. So with every hire, we go through our, our culture pillars uh, and our gets it once it in capacity, and we hire around that. And our uh, why is the culmination of all of that. 
So it's like, here's who we are as people. These are the type of people that are going to flourish in our organization. Um, but then why? Why are we doing this? And there's, there's quite a bit of science around why statements. But why statements say, we do this so that this. Like, we're going to do this so we can do this to the world. So we create environments. Well, what, what do we do? Well, we don't just own buildings. We create environments. Uh, why do we create environments? Because buildings are, are, are a thing, but environments are a place where people are. And without people, there's no buildings. We're in the people business, not in the building business. So we create these environments so that what? So that they transform people's lives. How can a building transform people's lives? That's a tall order. I mean, it's one thing to like, you know, make people kind of happy or like make them think your building's cool. It's another thing to transform uh, their lives. And that's it, a tall bar. But when we think of design, when we think of the way we interact with our tenants, when we think of the systems in our building, uh, HVAC, maybe solar, maybe lobbies, maybe lead, uh, places to sit, places to connect, uh, we work to make our buildings uh, be a spot where lives are transformed. A lot of this is we seek to bring uh, culture also into our buildings. We seek to have tenants that reflect uh, who we are as a company and who we want our buildings to be. I often look at, uh, at companies and to be really candid, sometimes you, you think of the CEOs or you think of the ownership. Sometimes they're just not great people. They're jerks. You know, maybe they're just not the kind of person you'd want to have a beer with or hang around with or go to a barbecue with on the weekends. And guess what? They tend to hire employees uh, that reflect their personalities. They tend to have dysfunction uh, in the ranks. It tends to be a negative place to work. And guess what? When a lot of the buildings we buy tend to be from sellers that sometimes are that way too. And their tenants are dysfunctional, their buildings are in disrepair, their lobbies aren't great. They just, you get a sort of gritty feeling when you go into the building. So how do we transform lives? Well, when we buy a building, the way we connect with the tenants, the way we change the lobbies and the exteriors and the landscaping and the parking lots, uh, we create a community, we show care. And guess, guess what, that is great for business. And mm -hmm. it also makes our jobs a lot more fun. We're improving the world with, with every building we buy. Well, I think you, you touch on something. The why is the passion. So the core values are, is who you are as a person that gets it, wants it, has the capacity. GWC is you, you have the ability to do the job. And the why touches on the passion. Yeah. And I think that's, that's why all of our people, all of our team, and ourselves, we, we're, we're passionate about what we do. We have, generally, we have smiles on our faces. Generally, we're excited about the work that we do uh, because we know that we're not just maintaining something. We're not just doing status quo. We are trying to raise the bar in what we do. And I, I think for any entrepreneur or, or anyone, even an investor, to be thinking about what makes you passionate because that really is your why that that is that is the internal motivation of what makes you do what you do regardless of industry or or sector that you're in thank you for listening to durable value an investor's podcast 
where we demystify commercial real estate with safe, sound investment strategies to help you balance your portfolio. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to rate it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. To learn more, visit grisadapartners.com, where you'll find more information, investors tools, case studies, and more. This podcast is hosted by Joe Miratori and Ryan Suela. It's produced, edited, and mixed by Melodic, with intro music by Ian Post. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.